everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to our family room. Um, we're glad to be in yours. We just wanted to uh, just do something simple together uh, this morning. And so as we get started, um, one of the questions we've been asking um, that I've been asking myself and we've been asking as a church is, who do we want to be? Who do we want to be on the other side of this? And we all recognize that there's some kind of a new reality going forward and some new ways of doing life and doing uh, following Jesus. And so this morning, we just want to invite, it, invite you into a conversation out of, well, the next story in Mark. Um, we're going to continue in our series in Mark. And so um, I'm just going to read this first passage, and then we're going to springboard into something. It starts off in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was, walk, was, was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some, of, some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now there's another story that goes right on the heels of this where Jesus is actually healing somebody on the Sabbath. And we're not going to get into that story today, but we are going to talk about what the Sabbath is. Because I think for many of us, when we read a story like this, we initially jump to uh, the conclusion that everything that the, the Pharisees were doing and thinking was wrong that their practices and their, uh, especially their following of the Sabbath was, was completely wrong. And so what I want to do is actually jump into what the Sabbath is. So the next week we can look at what this confrontation was all about. Because I don't think you and I have a good understanding of what the Sabbath is. And especially as American, Western Christians, um, kind of in this modern age, we've kind of looked at things like the Sabbath as, oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, that's kind of like a legalistic law following thing. And we don't have to deal with it. For the last couple of years, I've been reading about the Sabbath. Um, I've been looking for ways for myself to, uh, to, you know, think of my life more long term. And um, rest and reflection, some of those things have been some of the the rhythms that I've been seeking in my own life. And I was actually blown away reading about the Sabbath and, and starting to put a few things into practice in my own life. A number of years ago, I decided to change things up schedule for me. And one of those was instead of looking at the, the teaching that I was going to do the next morning on a Sunday morning on a Saturday night, I decided to uh, give all of my Saturday to my family and then wake up really early on a Sunday morning and look at the sermon. And that has changed so much. And, and, and I know that doesn't sound like something that applies to you, but just simple changes in my life because of this learning about the Sabbath has been huge. Um, but, but like you, if you're anything like me, I grew up uh, going to church. And some of the 
the conversation around the Sabbath was like, oh, you don't have to do that anymore. Um, that's like a, 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 you know, a works thing, and you don't have to think about that anymore. Um, one of my remembrances of Sabbath was actually I was friends with this Mormon kid up the street, and he could never do anything on Sundays, and it just sounded really boring and really ruley. And um, I was just like, man, that sucks to be him doing the Sabbath. Um, like, like the Sabbath is like this life-sucking rule uh, that was that's something we read in scriptures. And, and then you throw in on top of that this kind of this idea of an American work ethic and um, just work, 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 and produce and consume and repeat um, and this kind of treadmill um, of busyness that our culture is on. And, and the reality is, is that Sabbath just isn't practiced anymore. I'm reading a book, a historical book on the settlers of, of Ohio. It sounds totally boring to you, but it's super interesting. And, and one of them, it talks about this, this idea of Sabbath. And th- these people still, with all of their hard work, and they're like building their own homes and clearing their own land, many of them still practiced the Sabbath. And so what's interesting is we can actually trace the Sabbath all the way through Scripture. From Genesis, Exodus, the whole Pentateuch, you know, on through the historical books, on into the prophets, in the wisdom literature, like Psalms and all that kind of stuff, and into the New Testament. And I think we find ourselves at a really curious moment in time, especially in this kind of lockdown season. And maybe this kind of re-looking at the Sabbath might be a game changer for you. Might be something that you, when we leave out of this quarantine period and this kind of lockdown period, that hopefully you got a taste, you get a taste of what it looks like to rest. Like the way God calls us to rest. And so Genesis chapter 1, it starts off that God created the heavens and the earth, and it just goes through this whole beautiful picture of God's creative activity Uh, animals and human beings and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the chapter, it talks about how God stopped and God ceased. And in the beginning of chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he was doing, so on the seventh day, he rested. The word is actually he Sabbathed from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, And he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So think about that. God rested. Like that is, like let that sink in. The creator of the universe rested. Now I know some of you are thinking right now, um, I'm tired of resting. (laughs) I like feel like I'm resting all the time. Uh, Some of you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm an extrovert. I'm kind of a get-things-done person. I can't sit still. God rested. Um, And then some of you might be going, yeah, but you don't understand the stage of life I'm in. I've got kids and and laundry and all this stuff. I just want to remind you that God rested. And some of you are like, if if you want to succeed in this world, if you want to do anything in this economy, we have to have two jobs and all this kind of stuff. And I just want to remind you that God rested. And God, in his um, rhythm, created rest. 
and he blessed it, and he made it holy. Uh, the word Sabbath is Shabbat, which means to stop and to cease, to, s- to, to, to push back and to look at our work and delight in it. Um, it actually says that he enjoyed what he had done, that he, he said it was good, he delighted in it. So here's an illustration for you. Um, I don't know about you, but in this um, season we've been locked down, there's been some beautiful weather, and, and many of my neighbors and I, have, we've been outside working in our yards. and It's just something to like work, uh, like, you know, a huge afternoon in your yard and trimming things and cleaning things up and mowing and prepping and all that kind of stuff, and then to sit back and enjoy it, like delight in it. And maybe you don't have that as a something that you can uh, find as an example. Maybe it's like, maybe you're a student, it's the end of a really long, uh, hard paper that you've been writing and you can push away from the computer and delight in the fact that it's done. Maybe there's just been a huge family endeavor to organize and clean and you can push back and go, man, it's done and you can delight in it. It's the idea of enjoying the work of your hands. And that's what Sabbath is. In, in, in the NIV, I just don't like the translation. It said God had finished his work. Uh, the ESV actually has a better, it's a little chunky, but it's a better translation. It says God finished his work that he had done and he rested. Rabbis who have long looked at this passage and written about it all through the generations um, actually have come up with this really cool phrase that God created party rest, that it's this celebratory rest, this delight rest, um, and that the Sabbath is an entire day that is set aside to follow God's example, and God's example was to stop and delight in his world and his life in it and our lives in it, and above all, God himself. There's this great book by a guy named Dan Allender, and he says, The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And it's the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. He says that Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex. That's with your spouse. Sing pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness. He says few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. So if you're like me and you're new to this idea of actually practicing the Sabbath, I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you a question. What would make you jump for joy and worship to God? Like what, what experience, what would just make you just jump for joy and worship to God? And for some of you, it would be out in nature. Some of you would be on a hike or just a beautiful view. Some of you, it might be just a long, like great, deep conversation with somebody. Some of you might be just gathering family and cooking a meal and being close together. Some of you might be like alone reading and reflecting and thinking. Um, 
uh, one, one scholar actually put it like this, and I, I love it. He says, think of a weekly Christmas without weird family and decorations and crappy music. Like, <laughs> like think of like a day of the week. It's like Christmas where instead of all the pressure and the gift buying and all the present wrapping and all that kind of stuff, but it's a, j- a day where you could just delight. The thing that's interesting about Sabbath, it is actually built into creation. It's actually built into the fabric of who we are. Social scientists tell us that the harder we push, the less productive we get. (coughs) The productivity actually drops the more you work. And the reality is we live in a world of rhythm. And so now we have all these inventions. We have the clock and electricity and the light bulb and all this kind of stuff that help us keep going. And then you throw in smartphones and computers and iPads and all this stuff. And because of that, we can never stop. We have the hardest time resting. (coughs) And the reality is, is that even though we have machinery all around us, I'm about to lose my mind here. Thank you. Even though we have machinery in our hands, we have computers, we have all this machinery around us, we're not machines. You and I (coughs) are not machines. What is happening to my voice? Uh, I got a quote for you. It's a long one. It's a guy named Wayne Mueller. He says this in the beginning of his conversation about Sabbath. He says, In the relentless busyness of modern life, we have lost the rhythm between work and rest. All life requires rhythm of rest. There is rhythm in our waking activity and the body's need for sleep. There is rhythm in the way day dissolves into night and night into morning. There is rhythm as the active growth of spring and summer is quieted by the necessary dormancy of fall and winter. There is tidal rhythm a deep, eternal conversation between the land and the great sea. In our bodies, the heart perceptively rests after each life-giving beat. The lungs rest between the exhale and the inhale. We have lost this essential rhythm. He goes on to say, our culture invariably supposes that action and accomplishment are better than rest, that doing something, anything, is better than doing nothing. Because our desire to succeed, we do not rest. Because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would give, that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give us aid. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight. Poisoned by the hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort. We can never truly rest and want want of rest. Our lives are in danger. He actually talks about the fact that our lives are in danger. There's another, uh, there's this rhythm to our lives. And and one writer says, this guy named H.H. Farmer, he says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Like if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and not letting up, 
Um, there's actually historical documentation that the pioneers that went all the way west in, uh, in America during the 1800s, actually in 1700s, actually arrived at their, der their destination before others, the ones that uh, actually practiced Sabbath. So the ones that along their long journey practiced the Sabbath and stopped moving one day a week actually got there faster. And the idea in all of this conversation is Sabbath is actually coming for us. Whether you want it to come or not, you may reach a point in your life where you have a breakdown or just are exhausted or get sick or, or just lose motivation. Sabbath is coming for you whether you want it to or not. So the writers about Sabbath, the, the scholars that talk about Sabbath, talk about the fact that if we build it into our lives, it actually helps us get to where we're going. So the first thing is, is that Sabbath was created in rhythm. The second one is that God blessed it. And, and to get a little nerdy here, there's a great book I've been reading called Subversive Sabbath. And, and it, it talks about the order of the creation story and how God gave the animals this life-giving procreation uh, ability to procreate and fill the earth. And he blessed the animals. God blessed the animals. And then God blessed the humans and gave the ability uh, to humans to procreate and fill the earth. And then God actually blessed a day. And the idea that some of these scholars are saying is that this is the same idea of of fill the earth and procreate, that this day that the Sabbath actually has in it, this life-giving ability to create more life in us and in others, that we're charged to fill the earth with life. And so what we lose at the end of the week when we're just pushing and pushing and pushing, we lose optimism and creativity, we lose focus, all that goes down. And so God blessed this day. It's actually meant to be a day that actually pushes things further. And then he makes it holy. This is the third thing, that God actually makes this Sabbath holy. And this is the first time in Scripture, in Genesis, that we actually see the word holy. And it's meant to, he talks about a day first. He doesn't talk about himself. He actually talks about a day. And so for people in the ancient Near East, this idea of holy um, was usually quantified and applied to a space. So, for instance, uh, you would think of a special mountain being holy, like a holy mountaintop or a, uh, a temple to be holy. That's, that's where God was. That's, that was holy. But God actually uses a chunk of time and calls it holy. And so this idea that all of, all of the universe is God's temple and so there was, therefore, we, we don't find God in, in spaces, we find God in time. That the holiness of this day is actually something we can enter into. Um, one writer, a guy named Abraham Heschel, he said that Sabbaths are your great cathedrals. That they're their, this architecture in time. That we've spent so much time as followers of Jesus building these buildings and cathedrals and these amazing spaces. And yet we've neglected to enter into a time of rest with God and that, that, that time is the great cathedral where we meet God. And for this God, this one true creator God, all of, like I said, all of the universe is his temple. 
And so all you need to do ultimately to meet God is to stop and it's to rest and to slow down. And the psalmist talk about being still and, and slowing down. If you want to experience God, this idea is to enter his day of rest. And so we see this in Exodus 20, um, 10 commandments really quick. Um, peop- God calls a people to himself um, and he takes them on a journey out of Egypt towards the promised land. And in the midst of that journey, God st- uh, has the people stop at Mount Sinai and he issues these 10 commandments. And so this idea of rest comes from a command. And it's what's interesting is you got the first command, the second command, the third command, really important commands about um, God, who God is and honoring God and worshiping God alone. And then in command number four, verse eight in, in Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God already made it holy, but he's asking the people of Israel to keep it holy and, and not to profane it. And our job is to, to not trash it or make it ordinary. That's our job. And what's interesting in verse 11, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's the only command of the Ten Commandments with an explanation. And what, here's what we get from that. The fourth thing I want to tell you is that Sabbath is not the same as a, as a day off. It's not meant to be just a day off. Um, it's meant to be a day of worship. It's meant to be a day. Um, you know how sometimes you have a weekend, and the weekend is actually so tiring that you need a day off from your weekend. This is the idea behind this, that that Sabbath is actually not meant to be a day off. It's actually meant to be a day of delight and worship. It's meant to be a day of party rest. And and in every single, I mean, here's the thing. Eugene Peterson, I love this. I'm going to use this. I I wasn't going to use this, but I'm going to use it because I love you guys, and I think you'll like it. Eugene calls just a day off instead of a Sabbath. He calls it a bastard Sabbath. I love, (laughs) and it's, he calls it the illegitimate child of the seventh day in American culture. This idea that just a day off isn't what we're looking for. That's not going to find the actual depth in us that God is looking for. Um, And and, and we confuse a lot of times just relaxation with restoration. Relaxation will only get you so far. What a Sabbath is meant is to restore you, to build in you, to, to pull out of you even more that God's got for you. Um, the CEO of Netflix was actually, I just read this article, he was actually asked what he thought about all this other competition coming online. So, you know, obviously I already have Amazon and, and all that kind of stuff, but Apple's got a new streaming service and all that. And he's and he was asked, honestly, like, what do you think? Are you nervous about all this competition? And he was just so calm and so chill. And he said, I'm not, I'm not worried about the competition. Our biggest competitor is sleep. Like people actually turning it off and going to sleep. He's like, that's our biggest competition. And so we have this desire to escape ordinary life. We have the desire to 
to rest. And sometimes we try to just escape into a show or into something else. And what God says is, no, I've got actually something better. I've got something deeper and better for you. And, and it's, it's just so you know, it's not, God's not saying like, I just want you to walk around singing songs all day. No, that's not what he's, he's saying. He's actually worship is much more than that. And, and the fifth thing I want to share, there's two more things is that Sabbath is a command and a gift. Like in actually in, in Exodus 16, he says that I have not commanded the Sabbath. Uh, I have not commanded this. Have I not? Sorry. Have I not commanded the Sabbath? And the next line, it says, and I have given you the Sabbath. He's commanded it and he's given it. And here's the hard part for us. And and this is the hard part for me as I've read and learned and relearned. Is that the first three commands of the of the Ten Commandments are actually a command about our relationship with God. And then the last five are actually about our relationship with others. And scholars call the the anchor point and the bridge between loving God and loving others Sabbath and how we rest and how we slow down. It's the only practice in the Ten Commandments that is um, commanded. It's a, it's the only practice that we hear about in Scripture besides prayer that is actually commanded of us. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, you're thinking, yeah, but Ryan, we don't have to do Sabbath anymore. I mean, it's the new covenant, um, and Jesus came, and he uh, did away with the law, and there's this, you know, there's this new covenant, and, it, and now it's all about grace And we live in this spirit of restfulness all week long because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's all true. But what's interesting is it's not as if the other Ten Commandments have gone away either. So it's not like, hey, we can murder now because of Jesus, or we can... We can, uh, we can profane the name of God now because, you know, Jesus covered it with the cross. I, I've really struggled with this. Like, this is an actual command. Like, this is an actual big deal. And so whether you fall on the, on the side of like, yeah, we should follow the Sabbath. It's really important. And God commanded it. Or you're like, hey, it's kind of a new reality. It's a new covenant. We don't need to follow it. Um, Jesus actually starts talking about the Sabbath. Initially, in this passage, this is, this is Jesus being confronted by the Pharisees. And Jesus says some interesting things. He says, man was created for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath for man. Like, we were, we were created to, uh, the Sabbath, I maybe got that just backwards, <laughs> the Sabbath was created for man. Why is my cat still here? Why, why is this happening? There's a cat here, and it's driving me nuts. Everybody out there in YouTube land. Um, and so one command, that it, it, this command actually has an explanation behind it to Sabbath. Can someone pick the cat up and put the cat outside? That would be fantastic. That would be great. There we go. 
See, if you bring a cat into church, I'm going to get distracted. Um, And so here we go. The last one is this. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. The word remember is a very Hebrew idea. It's to drag. I mean, this is the idea in Scripture. It's to drag into your active memory, okay, the reality of the world that God has created. To drag that into your active memory, the reality of the world that God has created. Folks, life is a lot more than just fighting against the curse. Like, just fighting the man, fighting against the curse, pushing ahead. Life is a gift. It's super hard, and it's really good. And life comes to us not as a right, and it's something to seize, but it but it's actually something to enjoy. And so we owe it to our creator to celebrate this gift that he gives us as an act of worship. And so it's kind of like this idea. We honor God when we enjoy the gift. And one of the funnest things for gift givers is to actually see somebody enjoying their gift, right? Like when our kids were little and we'd surprise them with something or there would be a a Lego set or a book or something that they could enjoy. It was the honoring was them enjoying the gift. And this is actually a gift for us to rest, to slow down, to push our, our, our fears and our anxieties and, and let them start to melt away as we experience God in the moment. And listen, I know that there's a lot of stuff around your house to do. I got one of that. I got that too. There's always something to do. There's always something to fix and paint and clean, and there's always something. And and if this conversation's messing with you a bit, it it messes with me quite a bit too. Like, how do I build a different rhythm in? And for you, it's and and for me, it's something we actually have to prepare for. It's actually something on the calendar. And for some of you today, it might be just like, maybe you need to figure out a first step. Maybe it's just a little evening that you carve out. Maybe it's a uh, half a morning. Maybe it's maybe it is a whole day. Maybe you could figure that out where y- meals are prepped, the house is ready, and it's time to slow down. It's time to unplug. It's time to delight. It's time to party rest. The identity behind all of this has to do with who you are loved by. And at the end of the day, to rest and to party rest in the idea that I am loved by God. I am loved by a creator God. You are loved by God. And all of life is a gift, and we are meant to enjoy it as an act of worship. And so this morning, I'm going to pray, and then I got some... um, thoughts for us as we head forward. Father, we're a group of people that have been swept up into busy lives. And this season, this season of forced slowdown for some, not for all, for some, this is the busiest they've ever been. 
And God, we lift up the nurses and the everybody who's keeping people um, well and, and, and rooting and pushing for uh, healing. God, we, we lift up all the people who are first responders and working in our grocery stores and moving things around for us. And, and their lives are busy and probably busier than they want them to be. But for some of us, we've had to shut down some things in our lives. And our lives are less busy. And we're asking questions about why, why would we want it to go back to the level it was before? Who are we? Like, it's even messed with our identity. God, we are loved by you. And you've given us the gift of rest. And you've built it into the fabric of your creation. You've called it blessed and holy, and, and it's meant to give life, and it's meant to push us forward. It's meant to awaken us to who you are and who we are. And so, God, I just pray today that if this is uh, rattled around inside of us a bit, would you give us the courage to actually take the next step? Would you give us the courage to actually open our Bibles and read more, o open our, our schedules and our calendar and look at the places where we can uh, push things out and create margin for you? God, we want to we want to leave this, this uh, current reality as a non-anxious people, as, as a people who are so trusting and so believing in who you are that in the midst of the chaos of life, we can walk as ambassadors of you into the world as non-anxious people who are ready to love and serve. And so we pray these things in your name. Amen. A couple quick things. Before you go, hopefully you will join us. Uh, click the link to the Zoom gathering that's starting in three minutes. Uh, we'd love to have you join that Zoom gathering. I, I want to talk a little bit about this. I have a few questions to throw out to you. A couple quick um, uh, announcements. Um, we are still pushing ahead with student ministry. Um, in light of all this, we just feel like God is moving us as a church to, uh, to rally a team and to take... Um, kind of the mission of, of Jesus into the world of students. And uh, there's so much need. And so this is going to require a, a huge face step for us uh, in our budget. As we move some things around in our budget, we're actually pleading with you and asking you to be a part of giving to the church. I mean, even in this time. And so, so we want to we push ahead for that. Um, once again, if you need help, if you need assistance and you need financial help or, or whatever it is uh, during this time, we want you to read at, reach out on our, on our website, restorationcolorado.org, and click the I Need Help button. Um, some of you have given and shared finances already. We've given out some help already to folks in our church and outside of our church. Um, if you're getting your stimulus check in the mail and you're like, I don't really need this, I'm I've got my job, I'm doing okay, and you want to give some of that, we want to encourage you to give that away to people, give half of it, give, give parts of it out to people who are in need. If you want help with that, you can give it, uh, a portion of it to us. We can help distribute that. We just want to share our stimulus. And the last but not least, many of you have signed up to help with a serve at the Denver Rescue Mission down at the Stock Show complex, complex in the Denver Complex 
Coliseum, I think it is. Yeah. And, and we want you to, if you want to be a part of that, we're probably going to do an evening shift, 4.30 to 6.30. And uh, we're going to go down and serve a meal. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. So if you want to do that, reach out to me, ryan at restorationcolorado.org.